Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of Catholic Life, welcoming you to the fifth episode of A Catholic Life's new podcast. In today's episode, on this fourth Sunday of Lent, which we know of as Latare Sunday, I would like to discuss a few things. Again, these are short summaries for the upcoming week ahead, really from a liturgical perspective as well as a traditional fasting perspective. The first thing I'd like to discuss, though, is today, Latare Sunday, one of my favorite days in the year. What does the Church teach about today? What are the unique traditions associated with Latare Sunday? This is something I'll get into to start. Two, I'd like to discuss the transferred feast of St. Joseph, unique this year, and why that is the case, why St. Joseph's Day is not on March 19th this year. Three, I'd like to mention the votive feast of the precious blood, which will be held in some places for Friday after the fourth Sunday of Lent, that is for this upcoming Friday, continuing what I've been doing in these previous episodes regarding these special feasts, really in honor of different aspects of our Lord's Passion, which are kept in different places. And finally, I'd like to discuss an upcoming article of mine, really an upcoming series of mine, on the history of anti-Catholicism with our first uh, edition of that series, The History of American Anti-Catholicism. The article on that is out, and I'll share more in a minute. To start, though, I'd like to first of all thank Meaning of Catholic, who um, is the publisher and producer of The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Abstinence. They are currently offering my uh, book on that topic uh, at meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop. So if you're looking to order the book as a PDF in English, Spanish, or Polish, all three options are available for under $10 on meaningofcatholic.com backslash shop, or you can go to Amazon to order the definitive guide to Catholic fasting and abstinence as a paperback or as a Kindle. It is currently available throughout not only America and Canada, but also in Australia, the United Kingdom, and a number of other countries now have come online. Topic number one, though, Latare Sunday, one of my favorite days in the year. Now, what does Dom Geringer say of this particular Sunday? He writes, quote, this Sunday, called from the first word of the introit, Latare Sunday, is one of the most solemn of the year. The Church interrupts her Lenten mournfulness. The changes of the Mass speak of nothing but joy and consolation. The organ, which has been silent during the preceding three Sundays, now gives forth its melodious voice. The deacon resumes his dolmatic, and the subdeacon his tunic, and instead of purple, rose-colored vestments are allowed to be used. These same rites were practiced in Advent on the third Sunday called Gaudete, and the Church's motive for introducing this expression of joy in today's liturgy is to encourage her children to persevere fervently to the end of this holy season. End quote. So what he's really getting at here is we've really reached the middle of Lent. Now, the true midpoint of Lent was last Thursday. That was mid-Lent, and there's actually some very unique traditions associated with that in some rite, especially the Mozarabic rite from Spain had an entire passage in Dom Geringer's book dedicated to that happy midpoint. And even though it's not mid-Thursday of Lent right now, it's still a time for us to look at 
uh, ourselves and ask, how are we doing in the pillars of Lent? How are we doing with traditional fasting and abstinence? Have we made progress? Are we persisting in what we've done? Can we do more? Same thing with prayer. Same thing with almsgiving. Are we doing enough? Are we doing enough prayers, going to Mass more often, saying the stations, saying the Divine Office? If we are, are we adding the um, the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, or perhaps are we adding the uh, Litany of the Saints more often? Uh, what are we doing? Are we trying to get adoration more? We can also look at almsgiving. How have we been? How generous have we been with our time to others? How generous are we at giving to true Catholic charities, uh, different religious orders, different actual Catholic uh, priests and orders who are fighting the traditional fight. What have we done in that respect? So Latari Sunday is a command. It is a command to rejoice. And, and the joy is seen in the church's liturgy, but it is also a time for us to pause and ask ourselves, what have we been doing and what can we continue to do more? One really unique tradition that is um, really a remnant of the past, which has really come out um, in the past couple of decades a little bit more is the custom of the Pope uh, in the Golden Rose Ceremony. So there was a ceremony where um, the Pope would give a Golden Rose, and this was always done on Latari Sunday. The Papal Golden Rose was was brought back, so it's it has been done. For instance, uh, Benedict XVI gave the 11th Golden Rose of his pontificate to the Shrine of Our Lady of the Valley in Argentina, um, not not on Latari Sunday, but he did so on May. Um, sorry, on August twenty third of twenty ten. Um, and I'm going to have some more links in the, in the show notes so people can go to to read about that. It's a really interesting tradition, and it just goes to show you there's so many traditions as part of our faith that are connected to the liturgical year that people just don't talk about. The papal golden rose is one of them. And even though the church and her liturgy really kind of re- represses some of the sadness today, and there's great joy. Um, we might want to reflect that too in our families. We should have joy today. We should be happy. We should be looking forward to Easter. And although I cannot find any reference to fasting and absence historically being lessened on this day, since it is not binding under penalty of sin, I do think it is quite worthwhile for us to relax those penances on Sunday and to celebrate a bit and then to look forward to the coming joy of our Lord's resurrection on Easter. Topic number two, I'd like to discuss briefly and remind people that even though today is, is March 19th, it is not the Feast of St. Joseph. It is not St. Joseph's Day because the Church transfers the Feast of St. Joseph to March 20th this year. And that's because March 19th this year fell on a Sunday, and Sundays in Lent have a higher ranking than even St. Joseph's Day. So St. Joseph's Day is transferred to tomorrow, so uh, that is something to note if you're going to Mass tomorrow, will be the Mass in honor of St. Joseph's spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, there is a very interesting feast that uh, nobody really talks about, and it's really been totally forgotten because it's not in the 1962 Missal, and that is uh, the Feast of St. Joseph celebrated in Eastertide. It was the patronage of St. Joseph, and uh, for quite a long period of time, it well, it was kept um, really since Pope Pius IX's decree on September 10, 1847, and it was kept um, during Eastertide, the second Wednesday after the octave of Easter, and it had an octave. And the reason it was really instituted was we cannot give St. Joseph the fitting honor he is due right now because octaves are not allowed during Lent. That particular feast day, which unfortunately is not in the 1962 Missal, 
was was a day for us to do so. In 1911, that feast was raised to a double of the first class, and it was given an octave, and it was moved to the Wednesday before the third Sunday after Easter. And I'll also include some some links in the show notes so people can read more. But there's different ways for us to honor St. Joseph, not just tomorrow, uh, but this upcoming Eastertide as well. It would not be fitting that such a great saint uh, should not be given the proper due, which, which he has as, as husband of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, St. Joseph's Day is a great day for us to celebrate, but something that a lot of people, even a lot of Italians don't talk about anymore, is the custom of St. Joseph tables, these great feasts at night, were always meatless. Uh, it was still a fasting day for in, in previous times, and it was still a day of abstinence. What I find even traditional Catholics mistake, because this, this changed, and, and it continued to change with over modernism, was that these particular feast days, uh, the liturgical rank of the day did not automatically remove the requirement for fast and absence. So just because something is a first-class feast day doesn't mean by their own right we don't have to fast or abstain. So if you're following traditional Lent, uh, St. Joseph's Day is still a fast and abstinence day. Uh, It still is. Uh, There was um, changes that started under St. Pius X, where holy days of obligation at that time uh, cease being uh, fasting days or abstinence days, even on Fridays. But before then, the liturgical rank, or whether it was a holy day or obligation or not, did not in and of itself change any aspect of fast or abstinence without a dispensation from the Holy Father, the only exception being Christmas Day, December 25th, and that only went back to the time of St. Francis. Beforehand, there were no exceptions. So just because it's St. Joseph's Day does not mean we should not be observing Lent as well. We can do so uh, in in a different respect, and then we can look forward to celebrating him this upcoming Eastertide. Number three, uh, I'd like to remind people that there are wonderful votive masses kept in some places of the world, uh, especially throughout Lent, and they honor many different aspects of our Lord's Passion. And even if we're not in those places and we don't go to a Mass that uses these propers, we can still add those prayers to our day, we can still focus on these mysteries, we can still continue to live that. And this upcoming Friday is the votive feast of the precious blood. And again, just like a lot of these feast days, it's wonderful for us to think about this during Lent. Now, traditional Catholics will be familiar with the fact that the Feast of the Body of Christ, that is Corpus Christi, is kept on a separate date from the Feast of the Precious Blood, which is celebrated each year on July the 1st. And the month of July is also especially devoted to the Precious Blood. However, there's also a Lenten votive Mass that may be set on Friday after the fourth Sunday of Lent. This is a oh, taken from the Mass in some places section of the traditional, that is pre-1960s Missal. Now, for many dioceses, there are two days in which the Office of the Priest of uh, Precious Blood has been assigned, the office being in both cases the same. Now, this particular office was first granted to the Fathers of the Most Precious Blood only. Later, as one of the offices of the Fridays in Lent, it was assigned to Friday after the fourth Sunday in Lent. And in many dioceses, these offices were adopted also, for instance, by the Fourth Provisional Council of Baltimore in 1840. And when Pius IX uh, was sent into exile, he had as his companion 
uh, the saint, the saintly man, Don Giovanni Merlini, who was the third superior general of the fathers of the most precious blood. When he arrived in exile, Merlini suggested that his holiness make a vow to extend the feast of the precious blood to the entire church if he would again obtain possession of the papal see. Now, the Pope took the matter under consideration and a few days later sent his, um, sent a prelate a message um, to give to Merlini, which said, quote, the Pope does not deem it expedient to bind himself by a vow. Instead, His Holiness is pleased to extend the feast immediately to all of Christendom, end quote. So at that point, the Feast of the Precious Blood uh, was immediately extended, and before the time of St. Pius X, it was kept on the first Sunday in July. After changes made by St. Pius X, it was assigned to July 1st and not fixed on a Sunday. But this particular votive Mass, which is also said on this day, is really beautiful. For instance, the colic says, O Almighty and everlasting God, who did disappoint thine only begotten Son, the Redeemer of the world, and has willed to be appeased by his blood, grant unto us, we beseech thee, so to venerate with solemn worship the price of our redemption, and by its power be so defended against the evils of this life, that we may enjoy the fruit thereof forevermore in heaven. We ask this through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. A wonderful thing for us to keep in mind this coming Friday as we continue to honor our Lord's Passion. And lastly, the last article I'd like to draw people's attention to is the next time you're online, go to Fatima.org. That is the website for the Fatima Center. And a recent article of mine is on there. It's entitled, A Guide to American Anti-Catholicism in the 1800s. It's the first article in a series of articles I'm writing on these forgotten parts of our history where Catholics were really persecuted in America, Mexico, Spain, and in other countries. The, this particular article on American anti-Catholicism, I discussed the San Patrios, which was the largest mass execution in U.S. history. This was a group of Irish uh, soldiers who fought as part of the Mexican army during the Mexican-American War from 1846 to 1848. They were named after St. Patrick, in fact, remember, in the mid-19th century, many Irish people were living in the United States and faced with discrimination and poverty. And these soldiers fought in several major battles during the war, including the Battle of Monterey, um, and they were known for their bravery and skill. Uh, after the war, though, they were captured by the U.S. Army and executed for desertion and, and treason. Their execution is referred to by some as the largest mass execution in U.S. history, would occur at a time of widespread hatred of both Irish immigrants and Catholics in America. I go on to discuss the Know Nothing Party in America, also known as the American Party, which was viciously anti-Catholic. Um, they actually campaigned openly on that platform. Um, you can read more about their policies, politicians who were members of them, and how the um, party ultimately faded away. And I conclude the article talking about Al Smith. He was the Catholic son of an Italian-American Civil War veteran and an Irish-American mother. He was a, um, a politician. He served four times as governor of New York, and he was the first Catholic to win a major party nomination for president of the United States in 1928. His candidacy, though, faced significant oppositions from Protestants, 
rural voters, and Southern Democrats, as well as from anti-Catholic organizations such as the KKK, which accused him of being under the control of the Pope and claiming that his election would be a threat to American values. In fact, this article also talks about how the KKK was founded on a viciously anti-immigrant and anti-Catholic platform. Al Smith uh, lost the election to Herbert Hoover, and unfortunately, some um, programs and, and history classes just fail to talk about why it is he lost. Ultimately, it was anti-Catholic hatred. We need to do more to recover our history and to teach it so we don't make these same mistakes and we understand what we do and what we fight for. And I conclude the article with a prayer to Our Lady for the conversion of American Protestants. It's important that we spend time learning our faith, to teaching it to our children, to acting on it. That means living the liturgical life. That means praying more, doing everything that we can to become a true traditional Catholic, because a traditional Catholic is a legitimate, honest Catholic. So I wish all of you a most blessed Latare Sunday. Latare, that is rejoice. It is a command. We are halfway through the Lenten season, and I pray that all of you, are able to do more in the second half of Lent, to offer more for our Lord, to offer it up for his glory. May Almighty God bless us all. Thank you very much for listening, for your support. Please like this channel. Please share what you learn with others. Please tell others to subscribe as well, so I know it's worth the time and that this content is reaching the people who need it. May God bless you, and I wish you all a most blessed week of the Lenten fast. Ad maiorum, Dei Glorium. We do all